My name's Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 78 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks! So, uh, yeah, this one was uh, a little bit difficult to get together because of... Um, I had to come to Easton to do it. We are now in sure. beautiful Easton, Pennsylvania. I guess this is our first. I do this for Har Business so much. I forgot. This is our first Skype Cinepunks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is true. This is our first Skype Cinepunks, but this is the second time we've had a director on. Second, uh, is that right? Oh, because Bear's a producer. Yeah. All right. Our, oh yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So. Uh, this is our no. Then we've had three because you're forgetting oh, about Heidi Saman was on. Yeah. As so well. this is our third director man our first director we should though, do a movie podcast i know right we but know our, so many cool people so many fucking cool people <laughs> but this is our first director of a uh sci-fi action film because you know Popovich is a horror in there too sci-fi yeah horror. definitely 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 yeah. definitely but the you know i'm a sucker for martial arts anyways yeah also and i'm not gonna lie I 100% believe that this particular director only interacted with me because we have the same name. Whoa. No. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> director Liam O'Donnell. Liam O'Donnell. Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you, Cinepunks. <laughs> Thank you, Liam O'Donnell. I have, to, I, I have to say, Liam O'Donnell, you are, you are the second Liam O'Donnell that I connected with on Twitter. The first being Liam O'Donnell of the band Dillinger Escape Plan, ah. formerly of Burnside, South Jersey Hardcore, right. uh, who... At, we've been in the same circles for years, and in fact, I've gotten clout at places because they thought I was Liam from Dillinger Escape Plan, <laughs> and only found out later to their chagrin that I was not that Liam. So, is but, that uh, the same Liam from Various Cruelties, the the songwriter? Oh, is it? I don't know. I, have no I idea. think that guy a, wrote for. Um, I, he wrote like a big pop song, and and he started his name started popping up. I have the Google alert, and I'm like, oh, who's that guy? Uh, <laughs> I could be. I mean, you know, there's also a children's book writer from Ireland. I think I, he I found I, that he's, via Google. He's in, he's in, he's in Canada. Like he's in Canada. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is he in Canada? Yeah, he's Canadian. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, Canadian, okay. Man. I have to ask you this question because uh, I haven't had a conversation with another Liam O'Donnell. Even Liam O'Donnell from uh, – when I say he's in Dillinger, this dude's also from Philly. Like he's from – Yeah. He, he like basically grew with, up right near that. I'm going to be – uh, that kind of sucks. That kind of sucks. <laughs> Again, I played it to my advantage, but the the only time we've interacted with each other has been over Twitter, and the last time we talked, he explained that there was only room in Philadelphia for one Liam O'Donnell. So until he moved away, we might have to fight if we ever found each other in real life. Wow. I think he was kidding, but uh, because I he also seems think you could take him. Well, he's a bit Just of a saying. he's a bit of a weedian, so I doubt that he has the aggression he would need sure. to take me out. But okay, how, but how, I have to let ask me you ask this. you one question: How old was he? Uh, He's like our age. Yeah, 30-something. 30 30-something. 30 I mean, I'm 38. He's probably 37, 36. Because like that. You, you I think know, he's younger than me. Like, Liam wasn't common until Schindler's List came out. Like, I didn't hear the oh name growing God. up. That's not true. It's, Is that a thing? It's totally yo, true. I think... Yeah, well, and I, okay, you blame Schindler's List. I also blame uh, Liam from Oasis. Ah, and I Gallagher. also and I also blame yeah Gallagher <laughs> Liam Gallagher yeah, yeah. I heard of him. and I also blame the Neesons Liam Neeson it's, it, I say it's Neeson because Schindler's is like ninety two right ninety one ninety two Oasis is until right. mid nineties correct or no maybe it was a little earlier no Oasis was like ninety one all right so right. okay yeah, we had I, a Liam I, explosion to, uh, in, in the early nineties and. 
You know I don't what know. It is? It's easier to name your child Liam than it is to tell someone that Schindler's List is your favorite movie because then you sound like a fucking weirdo. <laughs> that That's would be really weird. I mean, I don't know, Liam, if you had this experience, but what I had was I never had anyone who had my name. Like, no, no one, one ever. And then all of a sudden I'm in public and I'm hearing, Liam! Yes. Liam! And I'm like, what the fuck? Who? What? <laughs> Uh, or, and uh, this is my other thing with you, have you encountered when social media became a thing, did you find yourself being contacted by other Liam O'Donnells who couldn't believe your name was also Liam O'Donnell and then wanted to be friends with you on MySpace or Facebook or whatever it was that you were on? Yeah, did you yeah there experience? was some uh, list on Facebook, like, I want to say a year ago, that was just a bunch of Liam O'Donnells that were all contacting each other. And we and, and everyone was like, so what do you guys do? And it, we got a little background. It, like, lasted for a weekend. And then I have five friends on Facebook quote-unquote friends on right. Facebook who are just people named Liam O'Donnell, all of which found me. I didn't look for these people, wow. but they all found me and were like, hey, uh, I'm also Liam O'Donnell. You want to connect? And you know how I feel about Facebook. I don't give a fuck. So I was yeah. like, sure, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I just added them. And some of them, like I know a couple of them have checked out Cinepunk, so that's cool. Good, good for me. But the first one who ever did it was just this kid from Australia. And he seems like a nice kid and all, but like he's kind of like a cool guy. So a lot of his posts on Facebook were his like various girlfriends in their bathing suits. Sick. And I, after a while, I was kind of like, this is getting kind of ridiculous, bro. Like, I, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna like hide you from my feed because I don't want people to be like, why do you have all these teenage girls on your thing? I'm like, Ugh, that's right. creepy. But, but I, I would say, weirdly, um, most of the Liam O'Donnells who've contacted me, not from Ireland. It's weird. I figured I'd have one, but no. Have, not a have you one. been back to Ireland? Have you, have you visited? I've only been, uh, and this is actually bad, uh, because I have cousins there who know I exist, who I am friends with on Facebook. Right. Uh, I've only went in college because there was a trip. There was like a like a um, student trip. Thing. Yeah, and it was a reduced price. So like, if I you took a class about Ireland, you could go on this trip. And it was explained to me by upperclassmen. It, I did it my senior year, but I signed up my junior year, mm-hmm. and upperclassmen were like, "It's a joke. Like the class isn't real. It's just an excuse to go to Ireland." And I was like. Sure. Sick. Sounds great. <laughs> so we did it. It was like a spring break thing. So I signed up for it and I went for that time and that was great. That was a great experience and I learned a lot and it was fun. Did you see your family? Uh, no, it was, I mean, we're, it, it's such a whirlwind because 10 days sounds like a long time, but, it's but you cover, you basically start in, um, Oh, I have the geography. I think it's Kilkenny. You start on one coast and then go south around and then to the, to you're in Derry. So it's just like, it's kind of a whirlwind, and then you get like three days in dairy. I think I, I did so, a little. I I started on the west coast near near the White right. Cliffs of Moore, and then we did like south and went uh, east. Uh, but I yeah. did that when I was like sixteen. I haven't been back since. But it was it was very you know great time to go because uh, you know, my parents were just like, I guess you can just drink. Uh, and, sure. and, and, and like everywhere you went, you're, you're kind of a stranger until you say your name is Liam O'Donnell. And then people were just really happy to, to meet you. So it was great. My experience, you know, I am, uh, I am the straight edge half of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Josh is the, Josh is the drinker and weedian. Right. Uh, and my experience while I was in Ireland, all the dudes I was with, they all <laughs> drank and their whole thing was like, look, Liam, if you're ever going to break edge. Now is the time, but we won't pressure you. So we're just sort of here as observers. If you want, if you want to break edge in Ireland and get drunk in Ireland, we'll be your guides in that process. But if you don't want to, we're also on board with that. Whatever you want to do. So the whole time we're hanging out, it was like 
me and alcohol were having this will they won't they thing <laughs> the whole 10 days and then finally the last day i was like guys i'm not gonna break edge and they were like i think that's a good decision <laughs> meanwhile every night these dudes were drunk like there was yeah. like uh, sh- uh, josh Sean Benassign, friend oh, of the show, yeah. former My guest. loves beer. God <laughs> My, bless. Sean's been on the show three times. and He's been drunk like two of those times. I think two of the times he, yeah. was, just, he was, I would say drunk, but he was intoxicated. <laughs> <laughs> it made for amazing conversation. It was good. It was good. They were yeah, good episodes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so. yeah, it was just funny that I was like, they were all like, is Liam going to do it? What's he going to do? <laughs> so, and then now, then later on, people will be like, man, you're... You're in your 30s and you're still straight edge. I'm like, look, I didn't drink in Ireland. I don't see why I got to drink now. That's true. Like, that's it. It's that was of, I've already missed. That was the sliding doors moment of your entire life. Yeah. No. Exactly. Man. Totally. So uh, we are super excited to have you on. We are super excited uh, for those of you we haven't really said. Uh, Liam's on. We're going to talk about two movies that you feel like are thought of almost as children's or maybe not children's, but like young people's movies that like are super fucking not appropriate for kids. And those <laughs> would be uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And Howard the Duck. Yeah. And I don't know about you, Josh, but I'm super fucking stoked to talk about these I'm movies. Pumped to, I'm pumped to get it on. Yeah, yeah totally. Can't wait to talk about this. Um, we'll also spend a little bit of time obviously talking to you. Uh, as I said, we've had three directors on the show but we've never had someone who's um, released a movie like Beyond Skyline, which is like I, I, I get it. It's where you know, it, I, I don't think now that you're living a gold-plated life, rolling around in money or anything like that. But it is like a huge special effects film. Yeah. It is like a, 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 an action experience. So we want to talk to you a little bit about that, just because I think a lot of the, a, a lot of the people who listen to our show they love movies, but not all of them have ever like been involved in making a movie so yeah. hearing a little bit about that yeah. would be great i mean also we have another show on the network called horror business that liam does with our friend justin lore it's true and uh whenever we talk about movies that are typically in the horror wheelhouse it gets reserved for a horror business or we don't really delve into it as deeply on on the main show that's fair so it's uh and the two other directors that we've had we've had frank pavich who directed uh Jodorowsky's Dune, the documentary. Yep. He also directed the New York Hardcore And he directed the New York Hardcore documentary, making He's... him the apex of both of the Furies. Yeah, that we're, we're obsessed with I've been told by so many people to see uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. I, I, I got to get on that. Uh, we, we are obsessed with Jodorowsky, so it really fit that yeah. in that way. And then when we did, I just looked him up. I was like, what else has this guy done? And the only other thing he had done was this obscure documentary about New York Hardcore that like both of us were yeah, really we into. So we were like, watching. this dude is the perfect combo of our... Our interest. Right. Yeah. So we had that guy, and then we had Heidi Saman, who directed Namor, right? Which uh, just recently got like a huge distro deal, and uh, but it's like a very lilting character study of a of a dude who like parks cars. It's a really good movie, really beautiful. Cool. Yeah. And don't get me don't get me wrong, uh, artsy character study still within our wheelhouse. Still love sure. that shit. But uh, martial arts and aliens yeah. also very much in our wheelhouse. <laughs> Definitely so... haven't had a chance to talk to anyone who made one of those. Yeah. You know exactly. what I'm saying? So. But but we have two things to do before we start that conversation. Right. One is uh, we have to officially uh, say. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, the High Valley Creations. Now, here's the thing, guys. Do you need something screen printed? Do you have a band? A podcast? Perhaps you have some other business venture. Maybe you're part of some sort of weird organization that you, you want shirts, but you kind of want them to be hidden because you're actually embarrassed for people to know that you like, I don't know, maybe you do D&D or you're in some sort of secret fight club or you have weird political views. Whatever it is, you should get your shit. Uh, screen printed at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Here's the deal. 
you're probably thinking I want you to do that because I work there. But let's be let's be honest. I don't want any more work. In fact, in an ideal world, uh, we would have like a good two months of no work to do before Chris would inevitably go out of business and become a poor person. Right. That would actually be the ideal situation for me. But the reality is if you're getting things screen printed somewhere else, especially if I know you, if we've interacted in real life and you get shit screen printed somewhere else, it better be because you're fucking someone at Awesome Dudes. Because if it's not, we're not friends anymore. And I have problem with you. Yeah, awesome it's really pretty great up. too, though. Just say it. I like Awesome Dudes. I, I don't awesome actually ever... Today, wait, side note. Today, Chris was like, go to this place and pick up. We're, having, we're getting these LVAC crew jackets for the what? team. And I was like crew jackets like are we at a 50s gang now nice. and he was like maybe but I, I i'm not sure if i got you a jacket like fuck with me he did but he was like fuck with me and i go well if you don't get me a jacket i am not stabbing one of the guys from awesome dudes <laughs> like i'm just not doing it no jacket no stabbing man anyways a hard line to toe buddy you should go to xlvacx.com. Side note, Chris Reject is not straight edge. Uh, you should go to xlvacx.com. Check it. Check them out. Get your stuff screen printed there. We do all kinds of weird stuff. I was folding t-shirts today, but we do sweatshirts and sweatpants, freaking koozies, bandanas, hats, all kinds of dumb stuff. I don't know why you want it. I, I don't think you should get it. I think you should never get anything screen printed ever again. I could do something else with my life. But Dude. if you're going to get it screen printed, you should go to LVAC. That was good, right? That was a good That was ad. a good play. Great ad. Man. All right. Now it's time for our patented. Our original content segment entitled Whacking on track. track. So this portion of the show, Liam O'Donnell, who's not my cod, my pod, <laughs> my cod, cod casting, my, my cod piece. You were going to say cod piece. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking cod piece. What could I say? Did you want to get a screen printed cod piece? Listen, if it doesn't exist now, it should. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so you have the choice, Liam, the director, to uh, either go first, middle, or last, uh, and you're to say things that you've done that are whack and or on track. Uh, I will go first. I'll do it. Um, Sick. Dude, see, that's why we like you. Most people are like, oh, come around to me. We'll get you later. Get me later. Oh, I'm intimidated. I don't want to say anything. <laughs> Fucker. Well... Go ahead. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I'm going to say whack uh, this week in particular is uh, the baby boomer generation. Uh, it was just it, it, a completely embarrassing week for them. Uh, wow. I'm a liberal Democrat, but like this Joe Biden threatening to beat up oh Trump and then Trump saying he would beat him up instead. I just Dude, think Trump, Trump talking about throwing hands it's like, is already crazy pants. I just want everyone over 70 to just go away. Uh, they, they, they haven't done anything good for us. Uh, it's just a legacy of shit. And I think there should be an age limit, uh, for running for president. I don't want anyone over 55 from the Democrats that to be, to be the nominee. I mean, I, you are, you are fucking speaking the truth. I right almost, now. Like this is some real, real shit. shit. I, yeah. I mean, we, if we want to save the planet, we should probably start a Logan's run for like 75 year olds right now. Like it's time Dude. to renew. Uh, I mean, you could talk me into 70, but you know, my parents are 70, so I'll give them five years. Uh, but yeah, but they're not, they're not at their best right now. Like you, this, these are not the people that should be running the, uh, the country and the planet. And I'm just so tired of I, it. 
I was super stoked on these blame blame the baby boomers memes for a while, but every time I would post them, my parents, my mom and my stepdad would get so goddamn bummed, just like bummed out of their brains. And now when I see them, they'll like side bring it up and like we'll be talking about stuff and they'll be like, yeah, well, everyone's just blaming the baby boomers like it's our fault. And in my head, I'm just like, because it is your motherfucking fault. <laughs> it is your fault. Donald Trump's <laughs> president. It's like – anyway. So I think uh, – that 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 kind of gives you a good idea of what's been driving me crazy this week. On track this week, um, I talked about one of my best friends uh, as a, who's in a, a band. My other one, uh, just uh, his first his directorial debut is coming out May 11th from uh, Magnet, and it's called Higher Power. The trailer. Oh, the trailer looks sick as shit. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, he's been working on this thing for years. He shot it for a ridiculously small amount of money. It was supposed to be a web series. He talked them into the movie and he did, you know, 90% of these visual effects, uh, by himself. And so, uh, I'm super stoked for him. And yeah, that, that just came on iTunes last Friday. So check it out. Sounds awesome. I mean, we're definitely going to check. Yeah, that's a that's a uh, you know a limited release May 11th. So everybody support indie sci-fi and see higher power. Sick. Yeah. Yo, if uh, if your friends ever looking to to do a weird podcast, (laughs) we might know know about this one. Totally. He's like he's been asking me about all the because he kind of uh, you know he went into the lab for this movie and like hasn't been on social media for years. So he's now like, uh, what? How do I do this? And uh, so I will. Yeah. I will send him your way. He's oh his his movie. Thank his you. movie is fucking crazy. It's a it's a it's like the ambition type thing, and that that I do. But like he's he's a way headier guy and uh, and and spiritual guy. So it's a it's a it's cool. an interesting take. Awesome. Well, uh, so is that it? Was that your whacking? On That's track? my whacking on track. Josh. Or you want me to go? You can go, Liam. I'll go. I'll 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 clean up. I'll do the clean up hitting. All right. It's baseball reference. So, uh, yeah, you're good with the sports. <laughs> you're you welcome. and sports are like I've been, real. I've been trying. Real I've been, I've been trying to expand as a person, but go on. <laughs> so, uh, whack. Um, I'm. It's it's hard for me with the whack because basically, if I'm not doing fun stuff at this point, it's because I'm like. Either working, which or is doing a good stuff. thing, or I'm with the fam, you know? So it, it, there's not a lot of whack stuff coming my way. I kind of share, Liam, your – God, I love saying it. I kind of share your feelings right now. Like um, a lot of the sh- – I, I watch shows that like sort of cover current stuff. And at this point, I can't watch any of them because everything is so depressing. Um, I still like John Oliver. He still kind of makes me laugh a little bit. But – um. It helps you know, that it's, it's once point- a week. It's it's yeah, digestible. Exactly. But it's gotten to the point where like the only one I can watch regularly is Jesus and Marrow because they barely cover current events and then they're more showing you videos of like people fighting or animals having sex and stuff. And like <laughs> that's just like I because I can't take it. Like I, I watched today that they were showing the clip the various clips of Joe Biden and fucking Trump threatening each other is so oh, it, everything about it's so it so embarrassing like, makes it's so it makes dumb. me yeah so um i think that's i think i got to actually concur with you on that whack i you know i've been checking out a lot of new music and stuff nothing's been bad like everything's been kind of chill you know um but i haven't watched a lot of new movies so uh that's i mean not that new movies are where i get all my whack but i haven't no, nothing's really stuck out as far as on track um i finally i didn't get to talk about it on on our show mm. finally watched shape of water oh. which was 
amazing, and I'm pretty glad good. I, I got pretty to watch good. it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. It was all right. Movie. I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and uh, but then talking about that, I just got distracted for what I was going to say. What um, shape of water? Yeah, because I was thinking about how I was like, oh, well, obviously that's great. Um, okay. <laughs> I will say this is something on track that's like not like because I watched it, but more it's on track um, in that I got to uh, really bum people out. Um, Josh, you follow me on the Twitter, and yes. so you know that I uh, I made people unhappy when I ranked um, Guillermo del Toro movies. Yeah, so I did a rewatch of um, the Hellboy series because people were did not understand why I did not love the Hellboy movies. So I rewatched both Hellboy movies and you got in on this conversation a little bit. I saw this. Um, I saw this on the, the Twitters. Yeah, people were uh, people were upset about it and I was really glad that when I rewatched them I realized that I was fucking right and everyone else is fucking wrong. <laughs> the reality is like those movies are fine. I mean, again, my point was not that any Guillermo del Toro movie is terrible, which apparently was also an unpopular decision because a lot of people really hate Mimic, but I think, I think they're wrong. Maybe it's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's not great, but it's no, fine. No, it's not bad, though. Um, but uh, as far as, I don't know, you, me and you and Justin Lohr were on the same page, which is like we're overvaluing Ron Perlman's performance yeah. as Hellboy. He's he's not I mean maybe this is because we're nerds who are like obsessed with, with the book with the comic book. And yeah. so, you know, fuck us for being into that. But the reality <laughs> is like his performance is not well, purely a Hellboy performance. So I had breakfast with fellow Cinepunker Evo Tomas this morning. Sure. And we were discussing uh Shape of Water in uh reference to all of the other Del Toro movies. And it seems to me, my opinion is that Guillermo del Toro's strong suit is that he is an expert world builder. Yes. So despite what like things like a source material would say, he's going for a bigger picture, and he's really, really good at that. This is funny, though, in that Shape of Water is the first Guillermo del Toro movie where world building is not the emphasis. Huh. And that's interesting. yet that's the one that he wins for. Yeah, but, but you loved it, though. Yeah. But it's just weird it's for not you. Like, it's not like the way like the whole Hellboy 2... Like dark elf thing was going, and like all like the weirdo like stuff in uh, Pan's Labyrinth and all that didn't have all that stuff in there. It just had straight up, you know, small story. I I'd say That's with a- the um, the Hellboy movies, um, like I didn't love either of them, but. I also watched the shit out of them, and that's the weird thing yeah. about. Like, I okay. remember the first time, the first one, I was like, eh, "It's yeah, it's, it's pretty good." And then I'm like, "Why have I seen this six times if it's just pretty good?" <laughs> like, I just I keep rewatching it because because I think what you're saying, there's so many little details on the side and and cool kind of characters, and it's not so much that I love. Um, I forget what that that added character that the studio added that guy in. Um, you know, the the new agent. Uh, angle but oh right right, right. of the first oh, one but here's the thing but here's the thing about the the oh you mean in the first in the one. first one i was gonna say in the first one the, that, that story it's like okay it's whatever but i've still seen it enough times that there's obviously something special about the movies which is you're just ranking which ones are me. you know the best within his uh you know right. entire filmography but there's something about them that you know, in Hellboy Two is another one that was like I, I didn't come out of it like raving in love with it, but I've still seen it four times, and like I love, well, but, I love that I, Angel I, of Death, and uh, some of those designs are just 
the people best. People were really, though, pushing the idea that Hellboy 2 is the superior movie to Hellboy 1. Yeah, and on. I kind of get that in the sense of the action is better and it, visually it's a little more striking. But the story to me is not – it just feels really light. I think yeah. the story in Hellboy 2 is light, even if Dude. visually it's more arresting. Abe Sapien is one of the toughest characters in that entire canon, in the entire BPRD canon. Right. They've turned him into C-3PO by Hellboy 2. Which is a bummer for me because it's like, dude, why are you going to mess with the one badass? Yeah, you saw dude? Brendan got real upset with me because I said, like, I just think they did his character wrong. And he's like, he has the major romantic arc. And I'm like, that's fine. But if, if you're into the character from the comic book, he doesn't need a romantic arc. His arc or is he's trying to figure out. Power. Yeah, the telepathy thing is what weird. The fuck? But also just like figuring out like who he is. Like, it's more interesting that he doesn't know who or what he is. Yeah. Like the movie's it's, just kind of like, oh, he's fine with being a fish man. And in the comic book he's like so what am i like he no one knows what i am found in a in a ancient steampunk lab right dude crazy oh so, what a crazy character. see i i've only I, i've seen like the some of those cartoons and a few of the comics but so he, mm-hmm. he's got like a logan type of backstory where no one yeah well it, it actually gets worse it, what they find out later is that he's a human who was transformed as part of this like weird you know in the hellboy comics there's all these old cults that mm-hmm. did crazy shit That's awesome so he was in one of these old cults and he got transformed by the this fish god and then at a certain point it becomes clear when uh, you know the mike mike uh, how do you say let's say mignola mignola doesn't play games yeah. so like the whole idea usually when a comic is like this character is going to lead to the end of the world you never get to the end of the world uh the hellboy world we're mid end of the world like yeah. all the creatures are here like Liz is fighting like huge city destroying monsters like every issue like it's fucked up. And so what you eventually learn is that like there's a few old gods who are yeah, trying to claim like earth. kind of Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Abe Sapien is like or, a he's of he's those. a different avatar of a different like he's not the Og, you know the Agdru Jahem or whatever yeah. it is, but there's another sort of old god who might also wish us you know, ill that yeah. he is the representative of. So he's kind of like the opposite of Hellboy in a certain way. Cause he's like, he, it's not clear whether he could help us or not because he kind of just represents a different interested old force of power. Right. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? They still haven't resolved that. And like at this point, Hellboy's dead. Yeah. Holy shit. Hellboy's, oh, There's at this point in the comic, Hellboy yeah. died, went to hell and in a fugue state, murdered Satan. Yes. And now and now all of hell is in chaos and is fucking everything up because Hellboy but Hellboy doesn't care. Like everyone's like, "Well, you murdered your dad, so you're in charge now." And he's like, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> like I'm just not into that. So that sounds he's just incredible. wandering around hell just trying to like live his life. Yeah. Although I hear he's coming back for a brief uh crescendo in BPRD. Anyways, anyways, sorry to ruin that for everybody. <laughs> Go on, hey, hey Josh, nerd. I'm all wrapped up, Josh. Well, if you want, well, to you should hit one track. thing because uh, to be current, guys, Pacific Rim Uprising is coming oh, out this weekend. I got you, buddy. Don't worry about it. But yeah, you saw it, right? No, yeah, I haven't seen it, but uh, I saw it. No, Josh saw it. That's why I knew he was. Gonna I saw talk it on about Tuesday. It okay, thing. all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's perfect so, segue. Whack. Here we go. My whack. Lately, I've been playing. Uh, do you know Liam O'Donnell, the director? That I'm also a musician. Uh, yes, I caught that from so, back episodes. I've been playing a lot of shows lately, mostly as a solo performer, which is fine. But uh, I, as a songwriter, have hit a very difficult time for some reason where my output isn't to my standard. Like I don't like what I've been writing. So that is the whack, 
and it's been really frustrating like just to try and like write stuff of substance and of emotional like you know uh integrity right not just saying words that you know people will think sound nice together right mm-hmm. right so i've been on this this uh book sojourn where i've been reading books to try and help me with my creative process so the first book that i read which is now on track so we've transitioned now to on track right i read uh um elizabeth gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, sure. Love. Yeah. She wrote a book called Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear. And uh, it's a quick read. It's like a, like a little 250-page book or whatever. And uh, I read it, and I got to say, it's helped me a little bit. I don't know if it's helped me a lot. I don't know if I reached any like crazy epiphanies or like saw anything from a mountaintop or anything like that. But like as a creative person, it definitely uh, is an interesting thing to bolster what you think about yourself already. Because, so, you know, everybody thinks they're awesome, right? So that's what it is. And um, no, the other thing no, that I've been they doing... don't. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's a problem, right? Everybody doesn't want to admit to themselves that they're awesome, right? And every like, I don't know for me, I don't know what your creative process is, Liam, but for me, I, I'm completely mired in this whole notion of like self-deprecation. And sometimes, uh, somewhere along the line, I confuse the suffering with the art. Okay, right. So it's it's interesting to read a book where this is like the difference, right? Um, and the other book that I'm reading right now is a Bruce Springsteen autobiography. Born to Run. Now, the interesting thing about that is I hate Bruce Springsteen's music, and I always have. <laughs> I, you are a monster, and I hate you. I get it. I don't understand why all you fools love him, but because I'm he's working the boss. through it. I'm working through the book, and I'm working through the catalog simultaneously. So I'm, I'm trying to connect the dots here. So that's been on track. Um, cinematically wise, I saw Annihilation finally. How was that? I enjoyed it very much. Um, there, it has a couple questions. Leaves you with a couple questions where you're like... Wait a minute. And uh, that director, the same guy who did uh, Ex Machina. Sure. He loves these mirror dance moves. Oh, yeah. What is up with that? A little bit weird to me. A little bit weird. Um, I also saw a movie called Bad Lucky Goat. It is a movie from, uh, I think, Columbia. Ooh. It came out um, 2017, and it was one of the South by Southwest movies. And uh, it is available now to stream on Hulu. And it's awesome. It's about these, it's like a little, uh, sibling story about these two kids that live on an island, um, accidentally kill a goat. Goat belongs to a gangster. They don't know what to do, but they also wrecked their parents' car when they did it, so they're trying to get the car fixed. It's a very nice and charming movie. It's very beautifully shot, so it's like really, really like colorful. It's gorgeous, sure. gorgeous movie. So I enjoyed that. Um, I saw a movie that a former guest, actually, no, you know what, Liam, you are the fourth director, because Matt Garrett was on our show. And he directed oh, uh, two movies. I forgot about that. Yeah, Sorry, he directed Matt. Beating Hearts and he directed um, Morris County. But uh, there was a movie that he talked about a long time ago called Bag Boy Lover Boy. Oh, he wanted us to see it so bad. And I it? saw it because it's on Shudder. What's up, Shudder? Is it good? <laughs> well, sir, it is about a guy, very clearly um, delayed in ways, that gets picked up by these weird photographers and then they make him strangle ladies with bags on their head and take his picture with no clothes on. It's crazy. It's only an hour and 17 minutes, too, or something like ridiculously short like that. And that's how much time it takes for me to feel completely disgusting. And that's what happened with that movie. So, you know, what? let's jump back and put that in the whack category. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> and then... Is this, is this as bad as when um, you watched, even though I told you not to, We Are the Flesh? It is up there with We Are the Flesh in terms of how shitty I felt about myself when I watched it. 
Man, I fucking love that movie. Yeah, We Are the Flesh at least doesn't play with, you know, delayed people, though. Which yeah, that part like, <laughs> made me not want to watch the movie. Oh, boy, oh, boy. It's almost as bad as that Gary's Touch movie that Matt made me watch. Ugh, that he loves those of, uncomfortable really, things. And Chicken Hawk? Yeah. Fuck. Did you see these movies, Liam? Do you know about these? I, know. I never saw Chicken Hawk. I'm learning, chicken I'm learning Hawk. about delayed. I feel like that's a, that's a good uh, term. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's the current uh, PC term. Okay. I work I like in the mental health field, so it's a thing that I have to deal with every day, you know? And uh, yeah, delayed. That's the word. It's a good one. But that said, Gary's Touch is a movie about a person, not necessarily delayed, but you don't know, that has actual coitus on the film, and it's like crazy, and then the person, like the director disappeared, all this weird shit happened around that movie. Really uncomfortable movie. Chicken Hawk's a documentary about Nambla, so there you go. And... um <sighs> Yeah, this movie is like <laughs> it's right there. Uh, like it's it's right up there with that. Yeah, so, I get. Yeah, but then that's like last, the, that's like the one thing I, I'm fascist about. I think is is yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're like fuck that shit and all you yeah. sick Yo, people. Here's here's the deal. Here's the deal though. Josh has no tolerance for anything even a little bit grimy like not even fun grimy yeah. stuff and you always end up watching these fucking disturbing movies yeah, and because I you love... sickos tell me to watch them <laughs> I never tell you to watch or you say I... oh I love this movie it's so great they're fucking each other and their parents and uh, you shouldn't watch it and then what am I going to do not watch it yeah that sounds crazy look that you, sounds crazy you to know, me you know I love fucked up shit and yet when Matt Garrett but with... when Matt Garrett told us about Bag Boy Lover Boy. I didn't fucking watch it because <laughs> yeah. it sounded terrible. It is so frustratingly so terrible. So the idea that if I tell you something and I know you're not going to want to watch it, and yeah. I tell you not to watch it, that you would watch it anyway is insane to me. I you know what though? You know me things. well enough for over these past two decades that you should know if you're like, yo, Josh, you should totally watch that movie. That's the quickest way to make me not watch a movie by endorsing it to me. You know this. Oh, God. All right. I'm just going to tell you so, not to do anything. Last Tuesday, in the middle of a nor'easter. Touching down in Philadelphia. Yeah, it was crazy. Me, John Wren, and the Jinko Jesus, Bruce Park, ventured out into the cold hellscape and watched Pacific Rim Uprising. You were stoked on it. I was pumped. Now, here's the thing about Pacific Rim. First one, Guillermo del Toro. World building, beautiful story. Well, okay, beautiful stories may be a little heavy-handed, but a complete picture at the very end. Yeah, it's good. Pacific Rim Uprising is not directed by Guillermo del Toro. Sure. So it does not have the gorgeous world building. There's there are parts where it's like, oh, we've made our world in the ashes of Tokyo, like, and they've they've got these kaiju skeletons. It's been ten years since the kaiju have been vanquished. Right. Right. But um, what they lack in world building in this movie, they make up in huge Jaegers fighting even bigger kaijus and destroying everything in Tokyo. And the whole time, I was just punching Ren in his arm like, did you see that? That <laughs> shit is amazing! It was so great. Dude, there's a scene that not, a little spoiler alert, but there's a scene where, you know, the kaijus are coming on Tokyo and all that stuff, and all the people of Tokyo retreat to these underground bunkers, and then my man from Torchwood is like, all the people are in the bunkers. Do what you will. And then they just start fucking up buildings. They're starting tearing down buildings. Oh, my God. It was so great. It was so great. The one guy has a weapon that just pulls down buildings. Wow. On top of kaijus. What? Yeah. yeah it's so good. 
I kind of understand what you were saying before because your excitement is actually making me less excited to see. I know. Movie. See that? See how that works? That's how. That's the relationship we've cultivated <laughs> yeah. over two decades. But yeah, I'm no, still gonna see it. No, I'm not it gonna lie to you. It's I'm not. Enjoy it's, myself. You're not gonna actually care about any of the characters. I gotta say, John Boyega did a good job. I mean, as, I love John Boyega. You're gonna if you love John Boyega, block, you're gonna Moses. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna love John Boyega. You know Allow what I mean? It. There, there's scenes are, you know, it's like there's speeches, you know. Today we'll okay. cancel the apocalypse. To be like fair, the shit. speeches in the first movie were not that great. Dude. The first movie, the, I always say the first movie, like, it, you fall in love with it despite everything else because that, that right, Hong Kong right. fight, you're just like, how can I stay mad at you? I love this, you know. Yeah. It, 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 Dude, even if you go back and watch the little bow staff fight between the guy from, uh, uh, between, Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, Charlie Hunnam and, between and the, the, lady. The, the the jacked uh, white dude and the jacked <laughs> white dude. <laughs> no, between him and the Asian lady. Oh yeah, that where one. They're, that where one they're, where they're sparring with the bow staffs. Yes, that shit is mad corny, son. Every mad okay. corny. Here's the thing. On re- in the in the in the theater, I basically was like, "This movie's great." <laughs> On rewatch, Charlie Hunnam really fucking greats, and like. Honestly, he's fucking terrible. Here's, here's the thing. Hope when, he doesn't listen to Cinepunks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. When, I'm muting um, my mic in case uh, you know, yeah. I need, when, a, need un- to finance a project. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. When Undeclared got canceled, that for me was the end of Charlie Hunnam's career. Like, wow. everything he's done since then, I'm just kind of like, he's fine. No, no, but okay. He just Did doesn't. you see Lost City of Z? No. So this is the one thing that I've been told I need to see because everyone's like, "This is his thing." Like, his this thing. is the one thing I saw it. <sighs> I saw it last year, and I thought he was he was pretty great in it. Now, to be fair, you can discredit me because I also really liked uh, King Arthur: Legend of the Sword. I thought it was a lot. Jesus of Jesus Christ! I hated that movie. Ah, <laughs> oh, oh, sweet Cheesem Crow. It's a, it's a it's like an Iron Maiden music video, with, like shot with. 200 days of setups for some reason like it has more footage in it than any movie i've ever seen in my life cut into the shortest amount of time and so that part of me was just i can't believe how much they shot like there's obviously i think a scripted first act that he cut into a three-minute sequence that looked like it was about 20 pages uh of the dudes Uh at the village if to go into uh king arthur legend of the sword it's like Charlie Hunnam is running this brothel or whatever and he's got his buddies and they've got the training buddies. And it feels like to me it's a 20-page first act that they just were like, all right, we're going to just chop this down into like looks, beats and like a few words to each other because these guys are all dead in four pages anyway. So I, I don't know. Some of that stuff just like I, I geek out on the amount of, uh, of of editing craft that that guy's using sure. to to economize like so much within tiny little beats. So I, I I enjoyed it, and I also like that Jude Law turns into uh, you know an Iron Maiden music video kind of decal, <laughs> and that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jesus. All right. I I I think uh, I think what we could say right now then is um if you want to understand a little bit of Liam O'Donnell's world, you should watch the video collection of Iron Maiden. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but okay. he is uh, he is way better in in Lost City of Z and it's a totally different movie. It looks like a movie that uh I don't even know I mean I'm of course there's CG in it, but it feels so analog and it right. it's something that came out of like the 70s um it, it's pretty it's pretty unique and it's like a real adventure i guess like uh, talking about indiana jones temple of doom like larger than life 
jungle adventure. This is like so yeah. grounded in a way that um, I just haven't seen. Uh, All right, a lot I'm gonna of. check it out on that recommendation because I I avoided it because of Charlie Hunnam. Who's the other guy? Robert Patterson's good. Pattinson's good in it too. It's a it's a redemption the, movie. The for Twilight all. guy. Yeah, it's a redemption movie for all. Man, <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You can't. You were so beyond that. You can't talk shit on him for being in Twilight. Didn't you watch? Uh... Oh, fuck, I haven't no, seen I Good Time. Oh, good wow. Time, right? But, good Time. Didn't you watch Good Time? I did not watch Good Time. Jesus Christ! It then came up a lot do, on our year end. Then list. you didn't do 2017 right. Yeah, right? no, I, I saw it on all the Cinepunk contributor lists. Hey, I got two more on tracks. Okay. What? No, yeah. man. It's no, been too long. they're good. I watched. Um, go. <laughs> I watched uh, from here to eternity, and I watched Blow Up. Great. Neither one of those are new things that you need to talk about on the yeah, show. Yeah, but I watched them. Oh, Jesus Christ! You're welcome. <laughs> they're both pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Blow Up <laughs> is good. a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, that's you. great. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, so wait, the end. Need- the end. Three sixty shot and blow up. You know when? Uh, uh, that, so great. The, you know when the first skyline. The first skyline. Uh, they ripped that shot off, and it's like them on top of the building, and it's like it, right. it kind of doesn't need to be in the movie at all, and it's super <laughs> slow mo. But it was like, yeah, that'd be fun to rip off. Uh, you know, a De Palma shot when in this okay, crazy so, sci-fi so movie. So this is. That is a great transition to go into what we're talking about, which is so you uh, the work of Liam you, O'Donnell, the director. Well, yeah. So you were the co-writer on Skyline, and then and I have you, no idea how you went from that to being the director of Beyond Skyline. In fact, I don't even really know how Beyond Skyline happened. You you've met a friend of the show and a personal friend of me, Josh Goldblum, who runs Cinepocalypse, and literally my getting to know that this movie was happening and that you had made this movie was him being like, oh my God, have you watched the Beyond Skyline trailer? And I was like, no, I haven't I haven't watched it. He's like, they're going to do an Apocalypse. It's going to be so great. You need to watch the trailer right now. And I was like, oh, okay, sure, whatever, man. Like He was like so intense about it. And um, and I, was, I remember watching it thinking the trailer ended and if it wasn't for some of the like alien looks and stuff – I wasn't sure this was related to Skyline in a clear way. Like yeah. you really like turned a corner and told a related story, but it was also very different in a lot of ways from the original film. So I just was like, how did this happen? Why, you know, why did this happen? And how did you get the idea for incorporating um, some of the elements you did and some things that like really sort of tickle my interest, you know, Frank Grillo, mm. the bros from uh, the raid. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. The that practical like, effects for the, for the suits. Oh yeah. Using that the suits and amazing. the fighting with the knives. Yeah. Oh man, that whole scene at the temple. Anyways, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that, especially keeping in mind that I think a lot of our audience doesn't really know a lot about making a movie, yeah. you know, like this at this level, like with this sort of special effects and shit. Yeah. I mean, uh, Thank you, uh, first of all. But yeah, the first movie um, was like a super cheap contained thing and uh, the director's own hydraulics visual effects. And I'd been working with them for a number of years, kind of just their on staff sort of writer, creative consultant. And so we came up with something that was, you know, very much like paranormal activity meets Cloverfield uh, meets District 9 sort of thing. Like, let's let's bang this thing out. And uh and if it sucks, who cares? You know, it was like they didn't spend a ton of money to make it. And then, uh, and then, you know, w- once we got into post and we, we started piecing it together, it got picked up by relativity kind of right away in Universal. Sure. And so then all of a sudden it, it's like it went from a $500,000 mo- uh, movie 
to then, you know, they, they put this massive marketing thing behind it. We go to Comic-Con and then it's getting a November release and they, you know, so they spent a ton of money on the P&A. The movie got completely slaughtered by critics, but it's still, because they spent so much, it still made a, a pretty good amount overseas and on DVD and it still plays on TV. So afterwards, it's like licking your wounds when you get um, kind of that 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 smashed in the face uh, reaction from from right. critics and audiences. Let's be honest, D- divisive is what I like to call it. Uh, when they're like, not the best critically received film. Um, but so we we kind of f- focused on producing and working with other creatives and getting other people's stuff you know made uh, with that model. And we had a couple of movies that got really close to the finish line and fell apart. And um, one of them was was going to be very practical suit heavy and that I was producing. And when that one fell apart, I was just kind of like looking around and, and we'd talk to the financiers um, and they would they would still ask about Skyline, too. Um, so this is like 2013 ish. Sure. And I just felt like it was, it just happened to coincide with the same time of the first movie, um, starting to play on like Sci Fi Channel and Spike. And so I finally watched it again for the first time in three years. And I was like, ah, you know, I, I love our creatures. I love our aliens. And I, I, I think we had this treatment that was still kind of the core idea. And so I was like, you know, I just, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to write it. And, but, but if I, go ahead and write it. You know, I went to Greg and Colin. I was like, I, I want to write it. Like we don't have to wait for financing. I'm just going to do it. But if I do it, I, I want to direct it. And so they were like, yeah, you know, go for it. They had already, we, I kind of traded them another project that, um, had a lot of interest, um, at studios at the time, um, for them to bring another writer on. And so they, they were pretty supportive all the way through because we'd been working together since like 2005. So it was, um, you know, it was actually like, a really good thing for a first timer to do a sequel because they're much more visually accomplished than me. Even when we work in the VFX at the end, like they, they can see like shades of magenta that I'm like, ah, it looks like it's red. You know what I mean? So, but because of so much of that stuff was kind of figured out and I could just bring on my kind of taste and point of view to it. Uh, it was a great kind of a, you know, stepping stone for me. So, yeah, I mean, for very, very early on, we, I, I wanted the sequel to just, um, I didn't think it could start where the last movie ended. I felt like it needed to, to kind of bring new characters in and, and have them meet up. I felt like it, because the first movie was such a limited POV that, you know, there, there was an opportunity to do other things within that city during the invasion. And then, you know, even trying to bring new audiences in, you didn't have to have seen the first one you know, to, to understand what was happening. So that was kind of the, the, the genesis of that idea. It was like, I wanted to have this cop character. I wanted to change it from kind of the dread of being, uh, just a normal person in an, in an invasion happening to like a little bit more of a, uh, wish fulfillment action movie where you're like, okay, well, if I'm on this train, who am I with? I want to be with Frank Grillo. One hundred percent. What was it like working with him? He's he's awesome. We love Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo is, uh, yeah, he's like the um, the crazy uncle that I you know didn't necessarily have <laughs> growing up. Uh, he's very intense and he he does a lot of his uh, his homework. And he's kind of, you know, we worked together, you know, once he came on, so I, I loved him in, um, warrior was the first thing that I really was right. like, noticed. And then, um, so that was like 2011. So when I actually wrote the script in 2013, 
Go on. Yeah. Frank uh, Grillo. Frank Grillo. So, yeah, so I, I, when I sat down to write it, I, I, I wrote it for him. And then, you know, like the next summer was Purge Anarchy took off. And it was like, uh, am I going to miss my chance to, to get him, him in this movie? Because I felt like he was kind of in the right place for his career and uh, mm-hmm. to do something like this. And so luckily, you know, uh, signed on and I, I, I worked with him on the script and a lot of the stuff in the first act. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of brought in some of the stuff like hiding alcohol in the car um, was, was something right, he had yeah. experienced with a, an alcoholic father himself. And, uh, and so, you know, he, he, he grounds everything in the movie to like this insane degree, which I think gives it this special charm, especially from where it starts to where it goes, because, uh, you know, it, it's like a more subtle wink. Uh, he's playing it straight, but he's also aware of how crazy the movie is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely goes. I, 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 that's partly what he brings is a sense of, um, like of real worldness. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and urgency when you're like, dudes are about to like kung fu fight aliens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're yeah. about to see, we're about to see some. And, but Grillo, at no point is Grillo just kind of like, well, I don't know what the fuck is going on. You know, <laughs> like he's always got this thing where it's like you believe that he's in it. No, th- that and, that was and, in between takes. That was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time we did a table read um, because, again, I'm writing a sequel uh, to this other movie, and um, my producers and and are, are Greg and Colin. So, like, they're, you know, it's like so nerdy. The script was so goddamn dense and nerdy, and I didn't realize it until I had to read it out loud for all the actors in the room and they'd all read it before, but I'm just like, and then, you know, the shepherd puts its, uh, you know, claw into the carburetor that takes off its power claw. And then it puts and I was just like, Oh my God, I can't believe anybody signed on to this movie. <laughs> when I'm reading this like incredibly nerdy, dense action description for pages and pages and pages. Um, right. so yeah, that, there would be a lot of that. Like, so what is this? What's going on here? What's that? Especially, <laughs> Um, when you have to shoot green screen, which was something I didn't want to do, but uh, one of the sets that we were going to build in Indonesia was it was going to be too expensive to make it safe over there, uh, and so right. we had to end up like just getting the rock and roll trust to make it safe was going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars because they didn't have that there yet. So we ended up uh, shooting it in L.A. on green, and you know I, I think it turned out all right, and it ended up saving us some stuff because I was able to uh, you know kind of jerry rig different things together on green like. I took two different fights and blended them together to make it more exciting. Um, and, and it kind of works. So, you know, it ended up being okay, but it was a, a, the hardest part of the post-production was dealing with those green screen sets. Well, and I appreciate you talking about that too, because that's something that, I mean, it's hard because our bread and butter is watching something and telling people what we think. So like right. sometimes we watch something and we're like, this is some bullshit. And then sometimes <laughs> we watch something and we're like, it's fucking amazing. But like hearing a story like that reminds people that whatever it is you're experiencing, a fucking like uh, magical number of things had to work out to even get that yeah, to be a and thing. Everything had to, to work together just so. Yeah, so being like we weren't even planning on doing this, but then we had to do that. We had to go yeah. back to L.A. and but, yeah, I, dude, and that's I stuff mean, that yeah. sometimes you forget. He he was uh, it, it, not. I don't think it's a spoiler, but he fights a big tentacle monster in the set we call the silo, and the original fight it was like on the page. I really wanted him to just snap its back and like do like this kind of Conan moment of just anger and grief and ripped its back. 
But, you know, all we had to do that with was a, a boxing heavy bag. And so Frank, like, he, he did a great job performance wise and at CG, it would have been okay, but it didn't have a great, like, cause and effect. Like, oh, did those things have spines? We don't know. You know, did that break its yeah. back? So it ended up being uh, an issue. And I had already shot a fight scene with him in the power car where he fought a, a bad pilot alien while they were trying to get up to find a son that was cut. Mm. And so basically on the ground, I just, we CG'd over the other actor that was a suit actor with the, with the other CG creature and melded them together and it worked. And luckily because he's, he's so intense, it was like, yeah, he just killed that creature. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's some of the stuff that, you know, just the, the problem solving, uh, that, that came about that it would be it'd been interesting. Um, if I hadn't shot that on green, you know, probably would have had to reshoot uh, a bunch of that yeah. sequence. Well, I don't want to spend too much time because I definitely want to get to our discussion, but we have to ask about the raid guys. Yeah, yeah Eco Weiss guys. and uh, Yayan Ru- Ruhian. Ruhian? I don't know. Ru- I'm bad at pr- pronunciation. Ruhian. Okay. I'm bad at the pronunciations, but we. I Love mean. the raid. I saw and the raid, raid in the two. theater yeah. three times. I saw the raid two in the theater twice. Dude, so, so great. One of our favorite uh, yeah, franchises. Yeah. So yeah. talk to us about using the, or working with those guys. So, what was that so like? this is like, I wrote, I wrote the movie for, for Laos and, uh, and, you know, we that that wasn't a realistic place for us to shoot uh, at at the budget that we were trying to do, uh, and so they the first place that we scouted was Indonesia, and we met with the studio, and they were like, you know, they, they showed me a bunch of great locations, they showed me their studio, I was overjoyed, you know, this is like thirty two years old scouting for my first movie and uh, they take me out to dinner and they're like, so have you thought about these other roles? And we were still in negotiations with Frank and you kind of focus on that one first. And they're like, uh, you know, because we, we think we could get the, the guys from the raid, Eco and, and Yaya. And it was like, what? Yes, absolutely. Like, awesome. It was insane. And, and as soon as we kind of thought that was a possibility, as it turns out their schedule just happened to be open for like these two months. Uh, we pounced on it. We, we called their manager and we're like, we're going to be in Jakarta tomorrow. Can we meet for lunch? And she was like, yeah. And then we bought a ticket to Jakarta and just like went, you know, there was no other reason why, (laughs) no other reason why we're there. (laughs) And, uh, and, and, um, you know, so all the timing and everything worked out and then they showed up and, you know, I'm kind of like, I was nervous. I was, I was a little starstruck. We're like, driving um up to scout the first uh fight location which was going to be between him and frank and frank was like overjoyed when he heard because he'd been attached to do a raid remake for a while even then and he's still attached but so he he was very well aware of the movies and a big fan of of the guys so uh i would i told him like we have to do a get to know you fight you know if there's two alpha dogs in a movie they have to fight each other have to sniff each other out and he was like "Of, of course absolutely so you know i i I thought this would be a great location to do it. And they, they both come up there and they just sort of like, um, you know, they, they both, um, speak a little bit of English eco more than Yayan because they had just come off of, um, star Wars. So they'd been in London yeah. and they'd yeah, been yeah, practicing yeah. their English. Um, and so, but they, they kind of just both took their shoes off in this muddy rice paddy and were just kind of fighting each other like full speed. And, you know, they're Jeez. regular dudes until they start fighting. And then everyone just kind of was like, ah, <sighs> <laughs> and it's like quiet until they finish and then they turn and they look at and they turn and looked at me you know and they're like what do you think and you're like uh you know looking around like what how did i get here you know like yeah. of course it's awesome it's great like this is fucking yeah. amazing so yeah i was on cloud nine um 
you know, from that announcement up until, you know, even they, they wrapped, like it was just, it, I kept putting them in more and more scenes. And that's why like the third act was much shorter in the script, but I just caught, it got a lot longer cause I wanted to, I, even that little fight scene of him versus a uh, uh, very uh, Trulsman for who was a baseball Batman in um, Raid 2. We just added that the day before. I was like, you know, can we put another fight scene in here? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll very do it. And he's a great he's a great choreographer in his own right. So, yeah, I, I was like a kid in a candy store with them. Oh, wow. that's so great. Well, so cool. we could definitely keep going about that, but I, we want to uh, make sure we respect everybody's time and actually talk about the two <laughs> movies that we, we're going to talk about. But um, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back. We're going to talk about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and, and Howard, Howard the, the Duck. Duck when we come back. You ready? I'm ready. Are you ready, Liam? I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. We're back. Here we are. Here we are. So, uh, Liam, you chose these two movies. Uh, can you t- talk to us a little bit about why you chose these movies? Okay. Well, I, it really kind of hit me because when you're promoting a movie, they try to ask you a lot of like, what were your influences? And look, everybody wants to look good. Like even when I give you my five albums, I'm trying to show you my cool five albums oh yeah yeah so like i was showing the cool movies you know like what are my cool movies that i really liked but i forgot in until like after the promotion that like there's an obvious howard the duck influence in my movie and i'd seen (laughs) it like 45 times but it's not cool to say 
I love Howard the Duck. And so I was like, I want to just get it out there and I want to examine it. And, uh, and, and because it's become very cool to say you like Temple of Doom now. Like it, it, it kind of had this. Howard the Duck is cool too, man. I, I'm, just I'm glad say. to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. But I remember like, I remember even like tweeting it once and people were just like, what? It just, you yeah. know. It, 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 Wait, real quick though. You were doing the press junkets for this, and people were were. What is like the worst question as a director that people were giving? Are you, you going to get distracted by that? No, right because now? this shit is real, man. All Dude, right, every single time we go it's to a, it's a every good question. single time it's a good question. we go to screeners with directors. There's always some jackass in the crowd that just wants to be like, "Oh hi, I'm acquainted with very much of all of your movies because I'm a huge nerd and blah blah blah." And then they just start talking about themselves. Well, yeah, I didn't so I really have any of those, uh, thankfully. Oh, and I also have made that many movies so people can't like you know try to pull any compliments off of deep cuts or anything like that <laughs> um but i i didn't have it but the have but any the really reference terrible, to your it was just like a lot of people just it's it's a way for them to write a an article that references movies that other people like and know what your influences are so i think those uh, are fun those those were, right. were fun i never had any problem with it i was just kind of like being a little self-critical like you didn't mention the other one liam <laughs> you know <laughs> like you're trying to make yourself look so cool but like let's be honest that uh you know that the, the alien tankers look a lot like the dark overlords of the universe now i didn't 100 percent. I, I didn't design the the tankers you know that that came from uh from a different designer and i the 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 thing that I did add though as a writer was the tentacles coming out of the claw completely subconscious didn't I would just looked at the claw and I was like that's an awesome claw because we did a big maquette of the tanker when we uh, when we designed it uh, ADI the um, practical effects company did a maquette for us and that's awesome. and so I looked at it and it had like this weird metal thing in the center of the claw and I was like oh what if that just shoots tentacles out and it can suck things into its claw and of like I completely forgot that I watched Tower of the Duck 45 times uh <laughs> right. from first grade to third and uh and so I was obviously <laughs> ripping that off so that was just one of those things where I was like I want to I want to get into that because it's become you know very cool to talk about Temple of Doom, but there's there's a definitely like in a, a a voice between these two movies that there yeah. there's a lot of similarities and there's that the style that uh, you know Willard Huck and Gloria Katz have, which is this crazy you know screwball comedy on cocaine that I think is uh, <laughs> is very interesting thing to do, which we're both kind of like should be more kids movies than they are, and they're so lurid. And there's so much darkness around the corner yeah. that's followed by these, like like quips that are just undercut everything. I don't know. They're it's a, it, they're a, they're well, a let's, unique let's, double feature. Well, <laughs> let's start with Howard the Duck because I think that is the one that all three of us are, in some ways, slightly more excited about. Not yeah. to disrespect Temple of Doom yet. <laughs> it's just been talked <laughs> about more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's covered a lot, and people don't talk about Howard the Duck as much. And sometimes when they do, it's someone who's completely unfamiliar, and all they want to be is like, "Oh, this fucking movie and the girl with the duck. Oh, what the fuck is even going on?" And I'm like, "You don't disrespect my Howard, <laughs> all right?" Oh my god, I, I can't so, believe that you guys are on this side of the fence too. That what I I saw you mention on Twitter that you were like really into it. I was like, "That's so." I I have not met many people that. Oh my like, god. This is well, an okay. obsession of mine. Um, when did you talk to me about your first interaction with Howard the Duck? Like, how did you discover this movie? And then a little bit about like how it has appealed to you over time. Because of course, I mean, let's just put this out there. I, I, we don't even have to talk about it that much. But 
when you're a kid, obviously Howard the Duck is awesome, right? Yeah. Like, I just can't accept that anyone in our age group who saw this as a kid was like, this is dumb. No. Everyone and thought it was great, And the other thing is, right? people our age, Howard the Duck came out, like, right at the beginning of, like, HBO, like, when we first oh, got true. HBO. Yeah. So, like, my family, you know, we'd watch, HBO would play movies over and over again, and the movies from this era, I've seen a thousand times because of that. Sure. Howard the Duck is definitely one of those movies sure. that I, I saw like a billion times because HBO played it every other 20 minutes. I sought it out and I, I've noticed I, I even at a young, I always seem to be attracted to things that are supposed to be phenomenons that don't happen. And like, I, and so like I was like six years old and I saw the poster at the video store and I was like, what is that? I, I need to see that movie. And it said from, you know, the, the maker of Star Wars. And, uh, yeah. and so my mom, you know, asked if it was okay. And the guy was like, yeah, it's all right. It's all right for kids. <laughs> and she actually, <laughs> and these are like, like, you know, uh, Christian Catholic, uh, right wingers. But like for some reason back then they, it got there later, you know, they're, they're typical on the baby boomer, um, you know, curve. So back then they were cooler and they, they, not only did we rent it and then I, I went crazy for it. They bought me the VHS. And I still have the VHS somewhere. It eventually That's broke, amazing. but I watched it and I'm talking like kindergarten. And so when my wow. parents like try to talk to me about, you know, when, cause I have three kids now and they'll like criticize me and things like you made me, you let me watch Howard the duck in kindergarten. Like who, what do you, what do you have to say about this? Yeah. Um, but to, for all kids liking it, no, I tried to, I tried, my son is in second grade now and I tried to get him to watch it with me when I was doing the rewatch for this. And he lasted until uh, the introduction to Cleveland, and he just said, that thing is so fucking – he didn't say fucking, but he was like, it's too creepy. I can't look at it. It's wow. too creepy for me. And he wow. could not no take shit. the sight of Howard and was like, no, 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 no. And so I – you know, what can I say? He's my flesh and blood, but uh, I, I understand <laughs> the other side. Like they just can't take it. My daughter made wow. it all the way to Cajun Sushi. And then when the Dark Overlord is taking over Jennings, she started crying. Now she's five, uh, so that was a, a sure. great parenting by me. Uh, and <laughs> I do and, like that the entire thesis of your suggesting these movies is that they aren't appropriate for no. children, and then you watch which you found out by trying to show them to your <laughs> yes, children. Yes, of course, of course. Well, the, the other part of that, um, but yeah, I'll I'll, I'll 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 get off the floor for that. But yeah, that was like I I, I was like okay, I'm going to test it with them before we do the show. He's out. The old, he's out at uh, at Cleveland. She makes it to uh, Joe Roma's Cajun Sushi. I'm oh, sorry, I said Cajun Chicken. Cajun Sushi, of course. Sure, 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 sure. Oh man, yeah, uh, Josh. I we didn't we weren't as privileged as you out in Voorhees, so I didn't get I didn't get cable till high school. However, well, I didn't get pay cable, right. but we had basic cable and even just USA movie, e- yeah. even even UHF. They would play Howard the Duck pretty regularly. So the I, I saw it, but wow. I did rent it before it was on cable. I would rent, I rented that movie probably like three times. And then yeah. when we finally got cable, there were a lot of weekends where I wouldn't do homework. I would just be like, Oh, mom, I'm working on homework. And I would just be upstairs <laughs> watching, watching Howard TV. The Duck. And you got a TV in your room? Well, so, you know, there's only the two is just me and my mom growing up. So a a normal Collinswood house is four bedrooms automatically. Right. So one room was when I was a kid would be the playroom. Then when I got older, I couldn't have a playroom anymore. That's not cool. Yeah. So it became like the TV room. But really, it was my TV room and my mom would watch TV downstairs. And I covered the wall with like 
show flyers and shit and yes. secretly the toys were still so this is what was weird about that room i would go there later in high school with girls like that's where we would make out yes. but if they had but if they had opened up a thing they would see that all my toys were still <laughs> in that room because i had like a nostalgia for them i didn't want to get rid of them but like so it was like weird to be like this is where i play with toys uh, and this is where i make out like that's just a weird thing but i would i would spend a lot of time in there doing homework quote unquote right, right, and i would right. just be watching tv and Howard uh, the Duck was one of those movies. Yeah, Big Trouble in Little China, yeah. Howard the Duck, um, Conan and the Barbarian, right? Red fucking Sonya. Yes. Oh, so there good. Were just certain movies yeah, that were yeah, always yeah. on cable. Oh man, always Super on fun. cable. And yeah. so um, maybe if I had only seen Howard the Duck the once, it wouldn't have imprinted on my brain. Yeah, but it did, and and so much so that uh, you know I hadn't watched it for years. And again, we'll bring him up again friend of the show josh goldblum did an outdoor screening of howard the duck at yeah. the park in philly in north Liberty's park god and bless I remember, god and bless he was like all. he was like oh you're excited about this like kind of surprised and i'm like yeah man and then i was watching it i'm like fuck i remember every- the only part that doesn't hold up for me is that when i was a kid um Oh, what is the actress's name in this? Leah movie? Thompson. Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson. When I was a kid, Leah Thompson was the most attractive woman who ever existed yeah. in my brain. Yeah. Now I'm like, man, what are you talking? <laughs> She's fine. It's fine. Just it's fine? so 80s. Oh yeah, my no, god, this me. that's blasphemy. I'm glad we can disagree about something because when yeah. I came away from it, I just thought about how underappreciated she is. And that she, uh, y'all are crazy. She does, She goes a hundred and ten percent. She's doing everything that they're asking for. Oh no, her performance yeah. is great. Let, let's be clear. Okay. I'm not judging. I, the movie's still awesome. She's awesome. <laughs> but when I was a kid, you, you, I was like, you didn't like Whew. swoon a little bit on this rewatch on the crimped no, hair. No. Uh, oh no. my god. Really? Her hair. No, her you. hair is amazing. Holy Moses. No, thank you. <laughs> not for me. Here's my embarrassing story about this movie. Sure. I watched it the first time with my grandma. Oh, I thought you were going to say Bad Michael. I no, it was no, be a no, Bad no. Michael bad story. Michael has shown me many a thing, but Howard the Duck was a discovery on my own. Okay. But I watched it with my grandma, and the condom scene happened. Oh. Yes. And I didn't know what was going on, so very innocently, I was like, Grandma, what is that thing? And my grandma, devout Catholic that she is, was like, just know it's bad. <laughs> that's what she said yeah 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 and it took me like another like couple years to be like oh that's a jimmy like in the songs like in the yeah there's a the jimmy J, hat the i Yo. the m the m the y I, the, we don't have to go down this path too much right but you you were the same as me i knew the term jimmy hat for a long time before i knew before i knew what it was or what, body jimmy bag? the hat what the was fuck supposed is to a go body on. pack yeah yeah yeah, yeah. body pack too right. same i yeah. used to be like yeah that's that's a cool line and not <laughs> yeah. know exactly what was going it's on like bill bill devoe we're talking about a body like don't forget the body bag I'm like but why and are you gonna murder someone yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't imagine bell biv or devoe as murderers no. all i remember is that i'm not supposed to trust a big butt or a smile that's all i know that song is fucked yeah up. that is a pretty <laughs> toxic but whatever i'm just saying growing up bbd taught me that anyway when when leah thompson pulls the condom out of the wallet i just remember being like what is that and then just being like for years for years like in of a my rapper life. or yeah. something like yeah 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 fucking fuck me up man that's like the most recent uh, memory I, I actually fast forward through the almost sex scene when with my daughter. I couldn't I couldn't watch yeah. that part with her. We, Dude, that's we, a rough one. We just got by it. Which, but like as you know, a six year old, it was uh, titillating beyond belief. I mean, I, I, I do remember. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure that's why I thought it was so hot when I was a kid because I was just like, she's in her underwear. 
<laughs> it's a really, yeah, revealing butt shot. It's pretty out there. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. I is. mean, here's the thing, though. Like, uh, it, it's funny because I wonder to what extent. Okay, so for us, I don't know about you, but I was not. I didn't know anything about the comic book, right? No, I had no vested it. interest. Uh, but now I know, like, the movie is actually uh in some ways tamed for the comic book it's actually kind of like you know is kind of like a child thing whereas the comic book was a little more like howard's a little bit of like a raunchy asshole yeah he's kind of more of like a sinatra character yeah 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 yeah, yeah, he's a little more surly so i I, I tried to read the comics after the movie because i loved it so much and i it's funny because you know like i've seen james gunn and other people be like oh the movie was the biggest disappointment of my their lives but it was like the opposite for me i i (laughs) <laughs> Whatever is the first thing you you know encounter, I guess, is what imprints on you. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's the thing is like. I, so what I want to talk about is like, uh, it's weird to me. I mean, okay, it shouldn't be weird to me, but there's some an emotional part of me that doesn't understand how this movie is a giant fucking failure. I mean, it did not. It was not a cultural phenomenon in any way, shape, or form. And yeah. lots of people who were older than us remember this movie very poorly like yeah. they went stoked and they weren't excited about what they, they were got. they were bummed at the end yeah i remember it, my dad actually was like you know this movie got a razzy and i was like what's a razzy and he gave me this this <laughs> newspaper article about the razzies and howard the duck was like the winner of the biggest razzy ever made yes. and my dad's like you see that movie's terrible i told you I'm like it's not terrible dad the movie's amazing. He's like, no, no, no. It's really bad. Even the newspaper. Look in the newspaper. It says. <laughs> Fuck, Dad. What? Fuck. I like I like the idea of you and your dad arguing about Howard the Duck. <laughs> yeah, that totally happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. When I was watching it again, all my memories are emotional and of my family. Like, of my dad being like, you're watching Howard the Duck again? Again with Howard the Duck, huh? Again, how yeah, did that? I had the same thing, and, and I made them watch it with me one night, and they enjoyed it. <laughs> they actually did enjoy it. Like they were like, ah. Hey, by the time, by the time it turns into the '80s uh, buddy cop movie with um, Tim Robbins and Howard, yeah. it kind of right. won them over um, with the chase, well, the and, chase scene, which actually I saw. I love um, Tim Robbins. You know that shot by Joe Johnston? That entire sequence. Oh, oh shit! Like I, oh, I, I watched. I, I have the DVD, so I watched some of the behind the scenes stuff, and like. Yeah, Joe Johnson shot the ultralight sequence. Phil Tippett built the Dark Overlord of the Universe, and Ben Burtt awesome. did all the sound design. Oh, and George Clinton and Tom Dolby did the Howard the Duck theme song. Like, it's, yeah, I knew that. It's insane. <laughs> well, okay, so I mean, it, the movie had Lucas involved, right? Like, he's not probably on set, but I think it's he happening. was on set. I think he's see. Uh, well, no, I don't know. I look, I'm not sure, but the point is, is like. He's involved. It's got a lot of 80s stuff in it that you would think go, would go over. It's got the young, young Tim Robbins, who I like him in this role. I mean, I get it's a goofy, humorous, yeah. but it works. He's funny. She's charming. And uh, what's the name of the actor who uh, gets turned? Uh, the Ferris Bueller guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What um, is his name? I don't know. I just I think Jeffrey, this movie, it's Jeffrey something, right? Was this movie pre or post Ferris Bueller? It was it's pre. Pre. See, I, I feel like if this had come out post Ferris Bueller too, that would I mean they probably couldn't have gotten him post Ferris Bueller, but uh, I, I don't know. It's just it's it's so weird to me because to me this movie is oh, wait, they mostly came out the same year. Wow. The same year they came out. Crazy. Mm-hmm. What a year. What, I just what think a career 86, high. Man. 
he is. <laughs> I just think he's fun in the movie. I like him because, like, the weird voice he does works yeah. for me. Uh, even the jokes around him work for me. I, I, I guess I rewatched the movie thinking this is going to be a little embarrassing because Howard the Duck is just not going to stay. And okay. Dude, Does it stand up? Ferris Bueller came out in June, and Howard the Duck came out in August of '86. Whoa, <laughs> that is crazy, oh, man! That's wild, dude. Anyways, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, like, I kind of get that people coming to this movie now, fresh, especially people who have no um, nostalgia for it at all. Yeah. I kind of get why they might not love it, but uh, this is one of those also, things dude, I loved as like a kid a that I don't feel bad about. Convicted of being like a child pornographer and all that. Yeah, kind of but shit, that so. hey, you know that, that. Wait, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> that guy got busted on like being like a fucking weird pervert. Yeah, and having like kitty porn and the shit. dude from Ferris Bueller. Yeah, yeah the principal. Yeah, I did just, not know that. Yeah, so I can see why people Ooh, come he's to it now so being skeevy. Like, yeah, doesn't that kind of change your perspective oh, on everything now? No, it this sucks movie? because he is so skeevy. Realizing yeah. he's actually skeevy, skeevy is but like, dude, he's playing a principal in fucking Ferris. Bueller and like uh, this, it's like, were you uh, a fucking weirdo then too, bro? Like, uh, fuck, probably. that's disgusting. Yeah, Jeffrey so Jones. I can, Jeffrey Jones. Yeah. I believe it was uh, it was boys like an eighteen year old boy, which uh, I don't know. I, I have to do a little bit. I, I I don't think it was as as horrible as uh, as a child. I believe it was at least a teenager, but I don't think well, that sounds any better, does it? Yeah, I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna, no. I'm gonna just retreat from this conversation. <laughs> yeah. well, I, the, the the point the point though. I mean, okay, I could see that, but I bet a lot of people don't know that about Jeffrey Jones. I think people's it was response... like 2002. It, it broke around then. I I, yeah. I I yeah. He went to jail and all this crazy. Yeah, I literally didn't know anything about this. You didn't this. know anything. Wow. No one who's ever told me they hate Howard the Duck has ever brought up also no. that guy the is a child molester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Everyone just doesn't like it cuz they think it's stupid and not good. <laughs> but I, and I and think there's wrong. a child molester in there. I think it's <laughs> I, I can 100% understand why it flopped at the time um for a number of different reasons of just the, the insanity of the, the 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 genre mashing that they're doing all the time i totally get that what i don't get is kind of the that it doesn't have the contemporary kind of appreciation that some of the other films in that of that era you know that flopped did get you know i don't get like why what, like what movie would be like that that flopped and is now enjoying a research well like you guys said earlier big trouble little china is like rightfully considered a classic and that flopped pretty hard. Um, a lot of Carpenter's movies flopped bro, pretty hard. Bro, how I do didn't you not know? know I didn't how? know because it's the greatest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. I have a low pan tattoo. Bro, how do you know <laughs> weird things about Jeffrey Jones? You don't know that Big Trouble in Little China died. No perverts in that movie. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. No public perverts anyway. Yeah. <laughs> one of your other uh one of your your other friend uh, Boner Vivant on Twitter said like I hope no one Dude. asks Kurt Russell about his opinions on me too. I was like please right. oh, all yeah, Kurt please Russell's don't. family members just educate him or tell him to shut up no matter yeah, what just anyone Just shut asks. up and die. Just shut I up and die Kurt. Come I on know, man. I don't want to know. I don't want to not like the I thing. I want Kurt to be perfect for yeah, all time. Yeah, just fucking shut up and die. There already remaking overboard so fuck you but dude fucking just do it just be quiet for the rest of your life don't go morrissey on me right don't go morrissey on me goddamn just saying i mean going morrissey is, yeah, is no, actually less embarrassing than terrible. going james woods though oh yes. i mean literally kurt russell could have gone full james woods fuck <laughs> that dude so brutal i think I he's mean, too ooh. smart and he's got um, yeah, kate hudson probably looking out after my you know god bless hope hopefully sure. I mean, let's be fair though. 
James Woods being a monster actually makes Video Drum a slightly better movie. Yeah, kind of. But does. otherwise, Everything it's a real bummer. Like, yeah. Really, bro? Um, okay, so. I guess we didn't say a lot about the movie. I guess someone might be listening to this who doesn't know. Howard the Duck is basically the story of a creature who lives on a planet full of ducks that weirdly <laughs> is exactly like Earth, except for instead of humans, imagine ducks. Yeah. And uh, it's egg-shaped instead of, uh, you know. Right. Spherical. And I assume they don't eat ducks there. Yeah, probably Because not. he's grossed out when we eat ducks. Yeah. But otherwise, it seems pretty Earth-like. Then uh, he gets zapped to Earth, which is obviously upsetting. And what he <laughs> finds out is that the the scientists are they're experimenting, trying to reach out to other places. And where they're sort of shoot, you know, uh, aiming their experiment, it gets uh, ripped away to a different place. Um, and... It draws Howard. So they try to recreate the experiment, and instead they bring this creature who's like from a dark dimension of yeah. demons and shit. He takes over one of the scientists. Howard just wants to go home, possibly wants to experiment having sex with a human. We don't know. And uh, <laughs> things go, go crazy from there. Right. I won't ruin it for no you. No spoilers <laughs> of a movie from 1986. <laughs> I mean, I will ruin it for you. It, it sort of culminates in a giant... Uh, overlord, demon, uh, demonic overlord creature. Yeah, it's a lot of claymation, but it, I, no, that's stop okay. motion animation. That's, is that stop motion? It's charming, yeah. yeah it's it so great. Here's the thing: it doesn't work in the way that we expect special effects to work. But if you're willing to be like, okay, well, it's not going to look like the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park. Yeah, then obviously it's going to look weird. It works in that it's entertaining. Hot take, it hot take. The effects in that end sequence look better than the plane crash at the beginning of Temple of Doom. One hundred percent. That is not a hot take. That is a fact. That, that I was, plane crash I, does not look good. It's no. shocking that they that that was approved back then. I still think <laughs> it could have looked better. Yeah, I think that I think it's actually comparable. This is a weird g- comparison, but it made me think of the creature from uh, the Gate, oh, which yeah, is another yeah, yeah. movie that like people bust on the special effects. But I think it's actually pretty, pretty effective. Good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways. Dude, Please the foot, see. that foot, when he, like, uh, that actual practical foot that he runs over in his little cart, yep. that looks oh, great. So great. Yeah. So good. So tactile. So, anyway. <laughs> I, I, feel like, tactile. Uh, I feel like because none of us are trying to dunk on Howard, there's not much more to say. We should probably switch to, to Temple, Temple of, Doom, of Doom, which is a very, it's funny you talk about it being talked about a lot more, but I think it's talked about a lot more partly because it's kind of a controversial thing. There's it really a, is. There's a chunk of film fans who are like, I get that there's issues, but this movie's fucking great. Yeah. Then there's a chunk of film fans that are like, that, that movie shit. sucks. Yeah. Fuck that movie. And then there's grades in between. There are people who enjoy the movie but are uncomfortable with it. Yeah. There are people who actually aren't uncomfortable with the politics of it but just actually think it's not a good movie because wow. of the pacing or sometimes people just don't like um, – Excuse me. The female character. What is her – what um, is the actress's name again? Kate Capshaw. Yeah. Some people just don't like – Here's the thing. I don't like the way that she is written, uh-huh. but there are people who also want to blame her performance and feel like she ruins the movie. Whereas I would ruins say, the word, I'm telling, I'm just uh, right yeah, now. I hear you. I'm not you're even saying what I think. Just I'm just saying this saying. is what people that. are saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're building the consensus before we, yeah, yeah, we dive yeah. so, in. So, what are your thoughts, Liam? You picked it. What do you think? So I, I had an evolving uh, relationship with this one because I think as a, as a kid, when you get into Indiana Jones, this is the one that hits you the hardest. Um, it, it, because, I mean, think about it from the setup. 
it's just, it's always engaged in this crazy exotic. You're never back in Harvard or wherever, Berkeley, wherever you're supposed to be from. Like you're always overseas seeing new locations. And the first, you know, that opening, I don't know, 20 minutes of, of just nonstop kind of titillation and action suck you in like few movies do. And then what is the danger? They're stealing children away. Oh, you know, like, so it just pulls you in. Uh, and, and it was easily my favorite as a kid in the, in the scared, most, the scared, I'd, I, most scared I've ever been, you know, seeing the, the heart ripping out sequence and then, you know, it really plays to the childhood fears of like your dad turning on you, like your apparent, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, not being who they are anymore and, uh, and being enslaved and all, all those, those sort of things. And then it's got this great third act that just, you know, doesn't quit and it's huge, you know, widescreen cinematic entertainment. But then, you know, when you got, when I got like angstier in the teen years and I went back to do the Indiana Jones, I really loved Raiders and, uh, and this one kind of, it just felt like, like you were saying, like a uh, very, uh, loud, very, uh, yeah. kind of over the top. And I was less into, uh, Kate Capshaw and short round and all of that. It's cute. And, uh, and so I, it, it, it kind of went down on my list and I liked how I loved last crusade when that came out and I watched that one a million times. And I loved how that felt like a sequel to Raiders. And then right. I did that rewatch again before, uh, Crystal Skull and kind of was similar, but then when I watched it again uh, with my kids recently, and after in the interim of you know when Crystal Skull came out, I didn't have any kids yet, and then you know for the past eight years, watching so many kids movies and really <laughs> yeah, picking yeah. up that the rhythms of 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 what those kids movies are, when I finally came back to it like a year ago, I was just like it is kind of the best kids movie ever made because of. Like the first hour, he is throwing his fastball at every single scene. It is like, yep. And 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 I think that's what you get. Um, can be somewhat disappointed in parts of uh of Last Crusade. Like, in at the end, he the 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 opening's great with uh with River Phoenix, but then when he yeah. comes back to that boat scene, and it's just like he just grabs this thing, and it's obviously on a stage, and he goes into the water, and you're just like Temple of Doom. Spielberg would have had like you know a five minute sequence trying to get that cross off the boat, and it would have mm-hmm. been like moving this way to that way, and punches and swinging on the ropes, and like that sort of like uh you know verve that is kind of lacking in some of the stuff in that movie even though i still uh, enjoyed the first three of them you know almost equally uh in enjoyment but i i kind of was able to see um you know through fresh eyes in the last watch of just how intense the movie is and how well it works as like the scariest uh kids entertainment that you could possibly make <laughs> but the racism angle is that when I, I kind of started talking about that on social media uh, to a friend and one of his friends was Indian and he came on and he said, this was the bane of my childhood. Like this movie, yeah. like, you know, people would always make fun of me for it and it was this big problem and it was just another one of those like blind spots for, uh, you know, a straight white guy where you're like, oh shit. And so when you started talking about that on Twitter, I was like really, uh, you know, excited to hear what you had to say about that. Well, I mean, I, uh, the... <laughs> At, I mean, there's so much to say. <laughs> Let me just start with this. It's a bummer to me that a movie that, to me, really is... Again, I, I'm not trying to say 
shitty things about Spielberg or Lucas or whoever. But a movie that plays so strongly off of these stereotypes couldn't bother to employ a large amount of actually Indian people to play these roles. Right. Like, at, at least in the racist movies that had black people in them, they often had actual black people in them, right. so at least someone got a paycheck. In this movie, there are so few Indian people in this movie. There's so many speaking roles are white people in brown yeah. face that I'm like, man, not only are you playing off of all kinds of, I mean, I, I, you know, the, the dinner sequence alone has probably fucked some people up. And That's the none one. None of that shit even makes any sense. No. But did, did you know at the time when you saw it, you were like, this is some fucked up shit? Did no, you know? Well, and I thought crazy, it was all like real, but. When yeah. I watched it at the time, too, and I love. And this is the second time I say something bad about my mom. I love you, mom, if you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to say anything bad, but my mom had told me stories about traveling and had eaten bugs and shit when she was traveling. Yeah. Now. As a kid, I thought, oh, like this. In reality, if she's watching Temple Doom with me, she'd be like, well, actually, probably in Indian food is nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. was someplace else entirely because she traveled all over Asia. So, uh-huh. like, the idea that, like, yeah, she ate bugs sometimes is not like ate a giant beetle or, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's also an exaggeration, which you're getting in the movie. But even that dinner scene is, is the lightest, but you still have the British are the heroes in the yeah, movie. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the people Indians who are want the savages. Well, and... it's like you feel bad for the villagers, so there's some compassion there. Yeah. But there's a clear connection in the film between the awful bad people and Indian independence. Right. Like that's right, a right. clear connection <laughs> wow, in the film. Yeah. I didn't and, you see, and this you're is like, like this is the stuff that I wasn't uh engaged Well yeah, in. I mean that's literally it's like literally the idea is like, oh yeah, we had real trouble with the people here. They wouldn't obey us. <laughs> well, maybe we don't need the British anymore. And it's like apparently you do because it's like all you yeah. do is rip people's hearts out and shit. But so, take their kids and all that shit. Uh yeah. I, I will say though, structurally speaking, I think Liam, you're 100% correct. This movie is structured like a really well done kids movie. It just happens to also have slavery, hearts being ripped out, voodoo dolls, uh, weird Asian sidekick, which like, the thing about Short Round is like, I don't think they're trying, they want Short Round to be cool. Yeah, yeah, he's, 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 spo- again, why, why kids positive, liked it, because it was like, a, but, your avatar is with Indiana Jones, you know? But my man, my man is not cool. No, right? no, no His no. accent is embarrassing. That well, kid I mean, doesn't dude, talk like, like that. See, like, he's coming off after like Ernie Reyes Jr. and Red Sonia, you know what right, I mean? Like, there right. Was like these. There was a time at that time when having like a little Asian boy is I cool. I love that you right. pulled Ernie Reyes Jr. in there. Yes, hey, man, oh, Ernie Reyes Jr. Filipino, and I'm fucking down with that I'm shit. Gonna, Brown yeah, I'm Josh is Filipino. Look, <laughs> I'm gonna give a little support of uh, of uh, short round in the in the poker scene. I think that's good performance there. I right? Think yeah. He gets a genuine laugh out of Harrison Ford. It's well, but this is cool this moment. is. This is my thing. I I'm not blaming Short Round. I mean, we should say the actor's name, but I don't. Kay Hu Quan. Uh, I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming. What was the actress's name again? I'm so. Kay Hu Quan. No, oh. the actress who's <laughs> Kate who's uh, Kate Capshaw. I'm not blaming Kate Capshaw. Someone wrote that part. Yeah. Uh, and you know, this those, is the, the, those are the people that we're discussing, though. That's Willard. Yeah, Willard. But and but Gloria. but you know what I mean. What I'm saying though is like this is this is my thing. Is like I've actually seen people be like. Oh, uh, short round, so annoying. And I'm like, <laughs> some director, some director, Spielberg put him in front of the camera and said, do that. Yeah. And like, I think he is actually acting well. Like, it's not like he's a bad performer. It's that the this is the worst. Is, yeah. This is the worst case scenario. This is like, I mean, you got to understand too, the, the Asian stereotype thing, Liam, is yes. like something me and Josh talk about a lot. Like, Josh was, 
worried about Godzilla because our man was doing the mystical Asian, you know? Although the part where he goes, let them fight. It's like one of my favorite parts (laughs) of the movie. But I I get your point is like, yo, like, you know, if... I get that not every character is good at English, but they go from that to like also they have mystical wisdom about ancient beasts. Yeah. It's like, yeah, 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 or yeah. they could just be a normal human, yeah, like just right. a regular ass, you know, slanty-eyed yeah. man. So you know, all, what I'm all those <laughs> women, whatever. The, 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 I, so getting back to Temple of Doom, I do think that there's the way that short round is treated, even the be- whole Asian setup at the beginning of the movie, yeah, which is, is, like, is, is kind of problematic. That? Yeah, all the stuff in India, whatever, and then of course Kate Capshaw as um, you know this the damsel sort of distress, damsel trope. distress, who's yeah. always annoying and always loud and yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. But I'll, she's. But here's. She's, I'm going to give one supporting thing of of them. Sure, is that I do like as uh the way Indy treats everybody is like because Indy's the star, Indy's the hero, he's the point yeah. of view. He always treats everybody of every race with respect, and there is like that interesting thing where he's telling her to eat the food. And he's like, yeah. you, you, you're, you're, you know, you are disrespecting them, and you're embarrassing me. And it's kind of like sure. trying to teach, you know, what I got out of that was like, hey, when you're in someone else's country, be cool. <laughs> so there, there I, are, I think there are true, some lessons I, to be to be gained. But yes, I'll, 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 I'll seed. Yeah, I am of, the, I am of the theory that uh, even though a lot of people find her performance annoying, the way the film works is the audience is most often Kate Capshaw. Yeah, that. Indy's magic. Indy's a fucking. He never. I mean, he's grossed out by snakes. But like outside of the snakes thing, which they don't use in this movie that much, Indy just walks around being angry and awesome. That's that's his job in this movie. Is that he's angry. He's either angry at the general situation, mm. or he's angry at Cape Catshaw, or, or you know, he's he doesn't really get angry at short round. But you know what I mean. Like he's just angry a lot. Or he's friggin' the man. He yeah. just is the man. His beautiful so, like, white messiah. I think a lot of times he's people in fantastic end up, shape in this movie too. I oh mean, yeah, it's, totally. it's peak forward, peak forward and physically. Pe- people I think end up identifying, even though they find her frustrating, with Kate Capshaw's character because she's the one who's responding in the way all of his that majesty. They would respond yeah, 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 like, yeah. "Oh, come on, Indy. Oh, there's bugs. Oh, this is scary. Oh, what yeah, am I gonna do?" Yeah. And, and so like, um, it, it has. Again, it's – I mean this is the thing, right, is that they're trying to pay homage to a whole genre of film yeah. and even storytelling going way, way back. And that whole storytelling is based on the colonial mindset of white people. <laughs> that's what the whole foundation is, is, yo, we're really great and we have to go to some place that's scary to us yeah, because yeah, there's savage, weird savage creatures there. Yeah, 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 the food in. is weird there. And also <laughs> all those fucked up people are there. Yeah, and we yeah, got to yeah. deal with it. And like some of those people will be nice to us and some of those people will be mean to us. <laughs> and the mean ones have to pay. And it's like, yo, like – if if it wasn't for the reality of Temple of Doom, that's kind of a bummer. Is that if it wasn't for the child slavery, yeah, right, yeah, and the obvious like ripping people's hearts out seems kind of bu- of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. The people, the people in the Temple of Doom should be the fucking heroes yeah. because they're the ones who are like, we should live independently. But of course, it's like, well, the only way they could even dream the way of this they is could if even we get Harrison of Ford. living without yeah, yeah. the British. The we need a white guy. Even, well, no, like even those people in the temple. The only way this fucking new Maharaj, whatever, can be independent of British rule is through slavery. He has to enslave yeah. children Fuck. in order to get for, out from under British rule. God, and I it's like, so much. again, I think it's unintentional. It's not oh, like that, fucking that, Spielberg and Lucas are sitting bummer. around going, what do yeah. we do to like support the <laughs> colonialist mindset? That's not what I'm talking about here. It's not an no. intentional thing. It's just the movies that they're paying 
homage to very well, I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. all come from this viewpoint. And so that's uh. what's going on in the movie. But I'm with the people. I'm 100% with the people who are like, everything about this is problematic. However, I grew up with it. It's and a very well-made movie. Yeah. I personally don't actually I, – I get that – there's sexist issues with Kate Capshaw. I don't find her as annoying as like so. No, I mean, but I that's you're, you're, the other thing they're paying homage to is the screwball comedy, which is yeah! the same thing that's happening in in Howard the Duck. I mean, that's obviously what right. Willard and Gloria love to do, and so that that that's the like you know the clash of the those that movie is is Gunga Din with like you know all about Eve, and they're they're yeah, kind of going yeah, yeah. at that. But because you put it in the context, Liam, of children's movies, I have to ask, and this is different for us because we're parents. Josh is not right. a parent. But you can sort of think maybe about your nephew and niece. If you had to choose – I mean, Liam, you already made this choice. But if you had to choose <laughs> listening audience, I understand a parent who wants to show their kid Howard the Duck more than Temple of Doom. Right. Again, not that you should never show your child Temple of Doom, but people were like – I guess when we put this out there as something we're going to do, some of the response was like, oh, Howard the Duck, all that bestiality, all whatever. And I'm like, I'm so much less uncomfortable with, with that Howard weird sex scene than I am with <laughs> the entire sweeping Temple of Doom. <laughs> like, not even take out all the racist stuff. It's still also fucked up, all the children's slaves and yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. heart coming out. Like, it's a dark movie. I think if I had to choose. You're going I, Howard. I would go with Howard. Despite the condom scene, I you're going I Howard. Yeah. I think I would. Is that weird that no. sex makes me less uncomfortable than, than like slavery murder and, and slavery? Murder? Like, I don't know. I don't know. What, Liam, what do you think? It's uh, a good, a good <laughs> Take question. Your time. I, Take I'm your time. Because my son, you know, it's just different what he'll react to. Like he really likes uh, Last Crusade. That's like the the one that because I yeah. I think it's that intro drags him in. Um, I don't think he's actually made it through Temple. The last time we saw it, though, he watched a good chunk of it and he loved the um, you know the ending, of course, with the uh, the mine cart. Um, yeah, but that seems great. Yeah, he couldn't the the. It's is there something about even forget um you know my 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 son is is my my wife is from Laos so he's he's you know half asian half american so i try to i think it would be interesting for him to to get that perspective and and see what you know he was going to take away from it yeah um you know in like does he think short rounds cool is he an avatar or not um mm. but you know i think i think ultimately Temple of Doom is definitely way more nightmare fuel than Howard the Duck. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I... you boil it down, if you distill it to what would give you nightmares, you'll have more nightmares from Temple. Of course. Right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, sure. at, at, when they, they force the hero to drink blood out of what looks yeah. like a decapitated head. I mean, that's it, fucked up. It, that's I, like... again, some of what we're describing is what makes Temple great. I don't want yeah. people to no. think I'm like a prude about violence per se, but, but it is crazy to me. Like, movie. I saw, I, I definitely saw Temple of Doom. Before I saw Howard the Duck. Yeah, me too. I'm pretty sure that that's true. No, yeah. not so for like, me not. I saw that one first. Like my parents actually were like, no, we've heard this temple one is inappropriate yeah. for you. And oh, I wow. Had, yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, the, this whole heart ripping thing. And I remember my brother being like, he tries to rip it out of the girl, but her boobs in the way. And I'm like, I need <laughs> oh, to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like, I, I definitely, that. I remember watching it with my neighbors, Anil and Ajith, two Indian gentlemen, and them being like, this is fucked up. 
And I was like, oh shit, this is fucked up. It was oh, like so one you of had those that, moments. See, I, I had a I had a reckoning. I was full adult before anyone was like, you know, Temple of Doom is kind of racist. And I was like, what? No, Temple of Doom is charming. It's it's fun. Whatever. Yeah. It's, it's got it's got less face melting than the first one. So therefore, it's more appropriate. <laughs> it's not that bad. And it was like it, I had to watch it. And I I mean, adult like twenty six, twenty seven. Oh, oh I before was, I, I finally saw it and was like, oh, I we see. lived next door to Ajith and Anil Pai, and they were like my best buds growing up. And we were watching this movie together, and it definitely was like they were like that. The the food scene came up, and they were both like. This is fucked up. And me and Anthony are like, you guys don't eat that? And they're like, we just had chicken at my mom's house. No, we don't eat that. And I was like, oh, this is fucked up, man. This is fucked up. And then I just remember it didn't taint my, like, it definitely bummed me out to think. Because, I mean, you know, I grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Not that many Filipinos or Indian people. So we ended up becoming like this little, like, this the cell right of of people who had each other's backs you know and when a movie like this is like so big amongst everybody and i just remember like anil being like this is a fucked up movie and like legitimately serious about it i was like oh man this is a fucked up movie and like it, it definitely and it's like oh man they got the the asian kid and the indians like dude fucked up shit in this movie like both of us we're fucked like we're both <laughs> targeted and uh, yeah, but then I still liked it anyway because it's like, yo, heart ripping is dope. Well, I know that you. I mean, this is the you, this is your thing eternally with Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, one of your favorite movies. You slightly suspect it might be a problem. <laughs> yeah, but you love that like, movie. Is this? No, wait, is it really? <laughs> oh no! Can't I mean, wait. it's really. I feel like your perspective on that one kind of changes to who you're talking to. Some people t- you talk to and they're so angry about it, you're like, "No, you got a point. That's fair." And then other people are like, "I don't have a problem." You're like, "Neither do I." God damn it! <laughs> yeah, no, my my wife loves Big Trouble in Little China. It's that's See? One of her so great. It's Another so point in your yeah. that you're not a self hating Asian. It's true. Category. It's true. Definitely not. A- <laughs> and she also loves Temple of Doom. She had the same um, kind of reaction that I did that when we rewatched it before Crystal Skull. We were like, "Ah, oh, it's just too shrill." And uh, and then yeah. when we, we watched it again last year. She was like, "It's so is it, is it me or is it so much more fun?" I was like, "I think it's because we're older and we're like, yeah, I would be pissed if I were Kate Capshaw." Whereas like yeah. <laughs> you're right. younger, you're like, "Stop whining and let me go on the adventure." Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, I, again, that's the thing. I think you are meant to identify with her a little bit and just be like, "Man, Indy's crazy." But yeah. you know, that isn't what happens. I, I think was, a lot I had of people an apartment, who watch the movie I was are with like rich friends in limousines, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. that sounds pretty nice, actually." <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in a puddle either. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Well, I okay. So to wrap up, I think we all acknowledge that Temple of Doom is problematic. However, I think I still enjoy it. It's still. A, Fun movie, yeah, but I, only fun for nostalgic purposes. It, here's the thing: I am, uh, I am Liam. You should know this about me. I am not a big proponent of remakes. You know, that's not a thing I'm stoked on, especially something as classic as this. But if someone wanted to rip off this movie and do like their own thing, like I think this story could have a lot of energy if you took out certain elements of mm-hmm. it. Um, because again, the pacing is fun. There's some cool set pieces. I fucking love Indiana Jones in a lot of ways, but in this particular movie, it's, I guess what it is is in both Last Crusade and in Raiders of the Lost Ark, he doesn't feel like a dude who just robs brown people for his own benefit. <laughs> yeah, there's the greed, movie, there's the greed thing in this one, the fortune yeah. and glory, which is, you know, because yeah. they tried to set it before Raiders, it's like a lesson yeah, he had yeah. to learn before that, I guess. Even though, 
you know, it, it doesn't quite. I work mean, he as helps. A he helps. The, he helps the children. It's, yeah, you know, whatever. I actually have Fortune and Glory tattooed on my wrist because of this movie. So, <laughs> oh my god, you're, yeah, Jesus. you are a fascinating <laughs> man. There's a lot of. Uh... <laughs> Here's the funny thing about this. Movie. Well, you let, let's be clear. You also have multiple Morrissey tattoos. I do. You just wrote a song about how Morrissey sucks. I, I do. It's yeah. true. I also yeah. have a Joe Dorowski tattoo where it says "Zoom Back Camera." Mor- yeah, Morrissey room. didn't have the decency to die a few years ago, and now no, it's ruining no. everything. I'm sorry. I know. It yeah. sucks, man. It's such a bummer. What were you going to say, Josh? Sorry, about this movie. It comes up in the De Palma documentary because Brian De Palma and Spielberg and Scorsese and all them, they all came out of the same class. Mm-hmm. And De Palma addresses this movie in that he says it's Spielberg's most aggressive movie. Yes. And it's because he's dealing with a divorce, plus he gets married to Cape Cashaw after this movie. So there's all this like weird personal turmoil for Spielberg during the making of this movie, and it translates quite visibly to the screen and how mean it is how it's like a mean movie but it's even even in the energy of the staging and the camera work that's what i mean by that like fastball it's like there's so much energy at play and uh i guess it's just kind of like that's why a lot of people that are really you know attracted to that uh you know as far as um, cinephiles that that's what they kind of seem to appreciate the most about the movie and i i didn't it took me a while to see that again yeah. All right. Well, okay. <laughs> I was trying to wrap up here because I right. want to respect our time. So I think we all sort of uh, admit that we still like Temple of Doom, but it's very clear to me that it's a problematic movie, and sh- you have to. You can't say that you like it without the caveat of like, I know it's fucked up, but I was just going to say it. it's clear to me that uh, Howard the Duck is better. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Okay, at a very basic level, because that'll really piss someone off, and I'll get tweets. <laughs> at a very basic level, I actually do think Temple of Doom is a better movie, yeah. but I just enjoy Howard the Duck more, and I'm not going to apologize about no, it. No, and you should. I'm not going to assuage anyone about it. And I and here's the thing: if it, I don't feel like me not having a problem with. <laughs> Howard's relationship with, with Leah Thompson. With Leah Thompson, that doesn't hurt anyone. Like, <laughs> if I was like, "Oh, who cares about the stuff going on in Temple of Doom?" You know, I don't think anyone should be bothered by that. But someone might be bothered by that, and so I have to take that into account. Like, right. I'm not trying to whatever. And honestly, I am bothered by it, so I don't know why I would say that. But right. in other words, there's something at stake. What is at stake with Howard and this girl? Right. I, there's nothing at stake for me. He's, he's an alien. Why? What, why is Avatar okay? And yeah. it's it makes the you know the most amount of money ever, and that's an interspecies love story. This is an interspecies was, love story. It's not a, an actual duck that she. There would have to be actual <laughs> duck dick in the movie for me to start to feel bad. Well, there a is joke. duck dick. We know there's duck dick from the condom. I mean, condom. sure, sure, yep. sure. But he doesn't whip it out. What I mean is, if I'm not going to see the duck dick, I'm cool with all the power of the duck. That's just how it is. I'm sorry. I don't know why you're apologizing because I think everybody can safely say, "Yeah, no duck dick is good." The guitar, not one solo, person... the guitar solo at the end on is the Eddie Van Halen guitar. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of. I they're think, kind of I trying to show people... you that he's got a big old duck dick right there. I, the reaction <laughs> some people have to this movie is like that it's a real problem for them. The relationship between Howard and 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 uh, absurd. And uh, hey, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, hey Liam. Yes. Thanks for doing this. This was fun. Guys. Is, is there was... anything that you want to hype up? Anything coming up that you'd like to I heard to you plug? did a movie. Is that true? I did a movie. It's uh it's a, it's a it's a genre mash bonkers uh sci-fi action martial arts horror film <laughs> and right now I think this next week it's a 99 cent rental on iTunes and uh Amazon Video. So check it out. Yes. 
Awesome. Uh, if people want to follow you on Twitter, what, how, where would they find you? Liam Odin, O-D-I-N. Now, did you choose that because it's like Odin the god? Well, because I lost sight in my eye when I was like in, I think, 1986. I think Howard Whoa. the Duck is actually Whoa. the Howard movie the Duck took that, brought, that brought me through that trauma. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I had a, this thing called an optic nerve glioma, which is kind of like a birthmark on your optic nerve. And yeah. it just ends up growing so much that they have to take it out. Um, so yeah, so I just was always, uh, you know, uh, attracted to that myth and my last name is O'Donnell. So I, I kind of co-opted that. Wait, your last name is O'Donnell? That's crazy. That's my last name. I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but you are um, Liam that's... Face. No, that's true. <laughs> I am, I am, I am Liam Face or Liam Rules. Um, great. You should definitely follow, uh, Liam. You should check out Beyond Skyline. Um, and, uh, I, if they follow you on the Twitter, then they'll know about more stuff you're doing. They should also check out your friend's movie, Higher Power. I only saw the trailer, but it looked really cool. Absolutely. That would be awesome. Support oh, Indie Sci Fi. Also, apparently, also Three Teeth is your friend's band. Yes. Three we'll Teeth. Hype all your friends. Lex Nicola's band, Three Teeth. They, they've opened for Tool a few times, and they're going on tour this summer with Horror, I believe is the name of the hip hop wow. group. That's awesome. Oh, horror. Yeah, yeah. Oh, have you heard them? No. Uh, Josh, you don't like new hip hop. Never mind. Whoa. Uh, Listen to Josh. this. Listen to their new song on Spotify. They're, uh, I, um, I think it's, uh, God, I'm forgetting the name right now, but it yeah. kicks ass. Uh, well, thank you for doing this. Uh, uh, listening friends, if you would like to, you can follow Cinepunks on Twitter at Cinepunks. Uh, you can check out the website, Cinepunks.com. And on you, the Instagrams at Cinepunks. Oh, yeah. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe, download, download, download. You know, all that podcast stuff. You know how this works at this point. <laughs> You've done this right? once or twice before. But also check out some of the other shows on the network. Horror Business, Got Me a Movie, Black Sun Dispatches. Yes. They're all sick. The Mandate. Totally we, wouldn't put, we wouldn't put crappy shit on there. Let's yep. just put that out there. Definitely. And I'm going to be recording with John Rand for Man, the mandate. Uh, for Isle of Dogs. Oh, actually, I'm doing uh, Ready Player One. Oh, right. Wow. Cool. I was only available Tuesday night. So right, right, I had right. To right. Uh, also, Suze wants to watch Isle of Dogs with me, so she was like, you shouldn't see it without me. So, yeah, I'm going know. on Monday. It's going to be dope. Oh, God damn it. Anyway, not important. Thank you so much, uh, Liam you. O'Donnell, for being on our show. Yeah, thank you for thank being. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you, Liam cool. O'Donnell. Thank you for thank being you, the Joshua. coolest Fun. Liam O'Donnell. <laughs> um, As the only member of this conversation not named Liam O'Donnell, I would like to thank all the listeners. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, we're gonna wrap up. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for doing this. Talk to you guys later. Follow all our shit. Okay, bye. Smoke bomb. Sick. Awesome.